I'm Mike Smith, and this is House Rules. Welcome to episode 17. I'm recording this episode in February. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, it's winter, and for many of us, by February, we know if we don't moisturize and slather on lotion every day or so, our skin becomes dry, brittle, and itchy. It loses some of its life and feels miserable and dull. It's the same with our home. The sun feels distant and the light is colder and sharper. And after removing our big Christmas tree last month, our home can feel a little bit dull and lifeless. It's the perfect time to add life with some plants. No matter what month it is today, as you listen in, plants can have a beautiful impact on your home. And I believe every room is improved with at least one plant. By the end of today's episode, you'll have two new methods to convince yourself to get more plants and no longer believe the lie that a green thumb is required in order to enjoy live plants in your home. If you pay attention to Shelter Magazine's design shows, styled photos on Pinterest, and most likely your favorite photos on Instagram, I would bet that just about all of them have one thing in common plants of some sort in every single image. Back in episode seven, I talked about plants or actually I generalized the term and called them greens. To me, greens in our home mean live plants or yard cuttings or fresh flowers, grocery store flowers, even pretend plants. In that episode, I talked about foraging for free greens from the great outdoors. And to me, that's the most basic first step to adding greens to your home. If you're unsure about the power of greens, I would say first go listen to that episode, we'll put it in the show notes, and cut something from your yard. For those of you who have already done that, you're ready for the next step, live plants. It's my job today to first do everything in my power to convince you of how important live plants are in your home. And listen, I know some of you have allergies or people in your house with allergies or a very real reason why maybe you can't have plants. I'll tell you, I have two cats in my house and I've managed to keep them alive with plants. Um, And I understand that there are special circumstances, but for most of us, that's not the reason that we don't have plants. Most of us don't have a plant because we think we're plant murderers. We we say something like, but I killed the last plant I have, so now I don't buy any. Listen, I kill all my plants too, eventually. Every plant I've had has either died or will die in a day or a month or if I'm lucky, a year or two. All of my plants are on a short or long journey toward death, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy them while they live. So I hope maybe today you'll consider a different way of thinking. I think of it as a low stakes method. Let's say you buy a $15 plant that lives just six months. So that would mean if you if you do the math, you paid $2.50 a month for the plant. You can't even buy one sad little bunch of baby's breath from the grocery store at that price. Buy that plant And tell yourself that for six months, you get to learn if you and that plant are compatible. If it dies now, you know that that combination of your personality and that plant's specific needs and the environment where you had the plant aren't a match. You might not end up with a live plant, but you do have intel and you got to enjoy a live plant 
in various stages of dying in your home for six months for just $2.50 a month, which if you divide that up even more, it's like eight cents a day. That's plant math. Is it worth eight cents per day to enjoy a plant in your home and to learn what does and doesn't work? It's always been worth it to me. So I just counted and I currently have 20 live plants in the first level of our house, which is about 2000 square feet. I do not expect you to do this. I just want to show you an example of another type of plant math if you're super nerdy and want to do this. These rooms on the first level of our home are all public rooms and I usually have more plants in our public rooms, like a living room or a family room or a kitchen than say our bedroom or even my bathroom. My last house had about a thousand square feet of public area. And of course, I counted my plants back then too. I looked back at a post I had written about and I had nine plants at that time. So if I want to get super nerdy, I... (laughs) divided that up. And it's about one plant per 100 square feet of public space. Not that I ever thought about that equation, nor should you. However, I do think it's interesting to me that that seems to be kind of my personal plant threshold. And it just gives you an idea of, for some people, me, uh, that's how many plants feel right. I heard another person say one time that from any room in your house, when you sit down, like any public room, you should be able to look around and see three greens, three plants. So that's another rule of thumb. But if you don't have any plants, just start with one. Most people are lucky to care enough to even have one live plant in their home, but we can do better. A couple of my plants are only a month old to me and the rest are, I don't know, a year old, maybe some are older, and all but one or two of my plants cost under $25. So my cost per day, if you did want to do the math, but again, I don't recommend it. uh, That was really low. It's a bargain. If I keep my plants alive for another six months or a year, that cuts my cost per day in half. So that's just a bonus. I do not believe in green thumbs. I believe there are people who don't let killing plants stop them from trying more plants. That's me. I don't baby my plants. I don't even really know or care about the scientific or common name for most of my plants. I just approach them kind of like an experiment and see how long I can keep them alive. It's kind of like a matchmaking process. Can me and this plant and the lighting in my house hit it off? If so, the plant gets to live. The second method that worked for me is the opposite. It's a high stakes method. It's kind of counterintuitive, but it worked for me because I don't like to waste money and I also don't like to waste someone else's time. I found a big, beautiful eight foot tall ficus tree on Facebook Marketplace. This was, I don't know, a year and a half ago. It had outgrown the owner's home and we moved to a house with 10 foot ceilings. And in order to have plants that didn't visually get lost in the room, I knew I needed to invest in plants, among other things, that were larger in scale. Was I nervous to pay $100 for a giant living tree? Yes. Also, I had purchased small ficus trees in the past, and I never kept them alive. But I also knew that I had never really tried or put any effort into keeping them alive. And I had a feeling the price of this tree would force me to figure out how to care for it. Chad and one of our boys drove an hour. They purchased the tree, figured out how to put it in our SUV. And I didn't want to kill this $100 tree the first month I had him and then have to ask my husband to help move him out of the house when it died. 
I really also wanted the tree in the family room, but after a few weeks, I noticed that that ficus looked sad. So our family room is north-facing, it's got a covered porch, and that means it's the room in our house with the least natural light. Not to worry, I promptly ignored it, hoping the tree would just adapt itself. Well, two weeks later, half of the leaves were gone. It was shedding inside my house like fall. And I figured if I was going to salvage this tree, I probably needed to relocate it. It probably needed a little bit, at least, of natural light. This is the difference in how I treated my plants in the past. In the past, I would just try to make my $20 plant work in the place in my house where I wanted to decorate with it, wherever I wanted it to live. But this time, I didn't want to lose my $100 or be embarrassed in front of my family of how quickly I killed the tree since they were kind enough to go pick it up for me. So the stakes were finally high enough for me to actually care. So I ended up moving the tree to my south-facing office. It has two big bright windows. I also decided I needed to regularly actually water it. So every single Saturday morning, I started watering the tree and all of my plants so I would not forget. That's all I did at first. And within a month or so, the leaves stopped falling and it looked happier. Four months later, I noticed lots of new fresh leaves and now it's over a year into it and I think it's almost doubled in size. I literally have a tree growing and thriving in my office and I did it all on my own. (laughs) So what motivated me to figure out how to keep it alive was just the fact that it was expensive and I didn't want to lose money or feel like I wasted my family's time. It tricked me into figuring out how to take care of it. Since then, I repotted the plant. I even bought some plant food from Happy Happy Houseplant. We'll link that in the show notes. And I brought another smaller ficus back to life. I still water my plants every single Saturday morning. Sometimes I skip watering the cacti every week. And I try to water my feathery fern a few times a week. It's been fun and rewarding to figure out. I even bought some pretty watering cans to set around the house to make watering the plants more enjoyable. Also, every single plant needs a container. So yes, I know that your plant came in a plastic nursery pot and that's wonderful. I usually keep my plants in their original nursery pot until they beg for mercy. So you're good for a while. But the nursery pot, that plastic pot that your plant came in, is basically plant underwear. You don't want your plant sitting around in your house in its undies. You want to pair the plant with a container of some sort that's decorative and pretty. So it's like the pants or the trousers for the plant. Plants and containers always go together and you can keep the plant in its underwear container and then tuck the entire thing into trouser containers. Does that make sense? Not to worry, if you need a visual, I'll be sharing mine this week on Instagram. You wouldn't buy a lamp without a light bulb. So don't buy a plant without finding a container that you can put the plant in. You can shop your house for a basket, a box, a woven beach bag, really anything will work because you're still keeping your plant in its original underwear so water can drain out of the bottom. I usually just put something inside the pants or trouser container to catch the extra water in the bottom like a dish or some kind of plastic. I hope that either the low stakes method of doing some basic plant math and remembering how low the cost per day a plant can be will convince you to take a small risk 
Or if you're like me and you need a different kind of motivation, maybe it's time to invest in a bigger plant that will hurt more if it dies. Either way, your house will be better for it and you'll learn more about what type of plant works for you. Plants are just one small part of a beautifully finished room. We think the skill of decorating means that someone can put together a room of all new stuff and everything instantly looks great together and ta-da, they're done. The truth is, this rarely happens. The actual skill of decorating is knowing how to adjust things that look weird or off to you so that they look the way you want. The skill is understanding why that art looked so good on your mantle in your last house, but now in your new house it looks awful, or why when you put the rug down it somehow made your room look smaller and darker, or why you keep buying sofas that you hate and how to buy a sofa that you love. There are logical reasons why some things look good to us and other things look weird. They're universal decorating truths, and I can teach them to you. These underlining truths apply no matter your personal style, your home circumstances, or your budget. If this sounds like just what you've been waiting for, you're going to love my new book, House Rules, that releases April 23rd, 2024. Plant Math is house rule number 72, and it's one of 100 friendly and memorable rules you can learn and apply to your house. I want you to learn the rules, then break them beautifully but you have to earn the right to break the rules. I want you to break those rules because you know your house will be better, not because you don't know better. House Rules is available for pre-order now as I record this in February of 2024. Or if you're listening after April 23rd, it's available wherever books are sold. 